Welcome to Positive Vibes with Buster Brown. Appreciate you joining me today for episode seven. How cool is that? And when we get to episode 100, I'm going to have a huge party (laughs) and you will be invited. So make sure you uh, keep listening to find out details. It's going to be fun. (laughs) So today I have a guest who has been a legend in television in North Carolina. Then he went to Indianapolis and became a superstar there as well on television. And what's crazy is that Once his contract was up for renewal, right, this lucrative contract to do TV, because his dream was to be a national news anchor, national television news anchor. Once his contract was up for renewal, wait till you find out what he did. This is crazy. And he and his wife just bought this huge brand new home. Everything she's ever dreamed of was put into this home. And wait till you find out what happened and why. That's the key. Why? Are you bold enough to step out on that kind of faith? We're going to talk about that in a minute. First, let's say hello to you. And if nobody told you today that you're beautiful and that you're loved, let me say hello, beautiful and handsome, and that I love you a whole bunch. And I hope I'm finding you doing absolutely amazing. If you're not doing amazing and you turn this show on, then I'm doing my job and keep spreading the word that when you turn on positive vibes with Buster Brown, you're going to get some positive vibes. You're going to get inspired. You're going to be empowered. You're going to be encouraged. You're going to have hope (laughs) because that's what this show is all about, man. Hope. Don't give up on that. Continue to press on. Don't run from your storm. Rise above it, right? You continue to keep going and rise above it. That's the power of faith, right? You know, no matter what things look like, no matter what it looks like, you know God has something greater that'll take you above. And never stop believing that. If you're having a tough time, continue to listen to the show. And I'll continue to give you the strength that you need because that's what this show is all about. How cool is that? All right, let's meet our guest today. His name is Frank Mickens, former TV news anchor in Greensboro, North Carolina, and also in Indianapolis. So let's get to Frank's powerful testimony and his answer to solving the issues we're having in this world today. Racism, hate, you know, police brutality. We're doing the interview on Zoom, so you might hear a little bit of technical difficulties here and there. You know, Frank voice might go in and out or (laughs) may sound like an alien or something like that here and there. So stick with us, okay? Let's get into it. Man, it is a blessing to be here, bro. So good to see you, man. You too, you too. You looking good, sir. And I can feel the positivity in your spirit. It's just oozing out, bro. All God, man. All God. That's a good thing, man. So let's get into your testimony, man. Let's blow people away. Because you blew me away when we had the conversation earlier about it. And I'm like, I got to get this dude on my podcast. You did TV news here in Greensboro, North Carolina, became a legend. Then you went to Indianapolis, became a superstar there as well. And then came the renewal of your contract, lucrative contract. You were living in your new dream home. (laughs) Everything was going fantastic, but you couldn't sign that contract. It was such a process, brother. I mean, I just didn't feel right. I just didn't feel right. And I know people know what I mean when you're doing something that you love, but something's not right. Mm. And... I came into the kitchen of our brand new home we had built. And I said to my wife, said, honey, as we're sitting in this kitchen where she picked out everything she wanted, 
And I said, do you feel like this is home? And she looked at me. She's like, you know, no, I don't. And I said, wow. And Buster, that touched off about a two and a half year process of God us away from where we were to do something totally different. And boy, are you doing something different. Frank is now an evangelist, okay? An evangelist. You go from TV news, making lots and lots of money. And like you said, now you're doing something totally different. You're an evangelist. Now you have to depend solely on God. What was that conversation like? It was actually an argument with the Lord. It was like, because mm. you know how sometimes you're thinking, man, that's me having a hero complex. That's me thinking I'm better than I am. I want to go out and do all this stuff. But it was the Lord. And and, and so I was arguing with myself, but I, I thought I was arguing with myself, but I was actually arguing with him. And I'd be in prayer and I'd be hearing all these things about, you know, you need to be a preacher. You need to go out and preach the good news. You need to, And I'm thinking, okay, I already do that. I tell people I'm very open with my faith. I encourage people. I still do ministry. And I'm like, but there's a part of me that's saying, drop everything and go into full time. That must be just my being zealous. And so what happened, Busta, is the Lord moment by moment would start bringing things into my life that would force me to give something up. I had a very long period of time when I was facing some very stiff opposition at my job. Dude, there was a time I was on my knees in tears. And so the Lord created an uncomfortable situation that forced me to start asking, is this where you want me to be? <laughs> it was like Jonah, right? Like in a whale's belly, homie. Right. And, and so I prayed about that. And then I started getting convinced, okay, the Lord is moving me somewhere. And that's when we sold our house. I told you it was brand new. We sold it. We only been in the house almost two years and we sold it. Right. And I still was under contract. And I felt the Lord say, save the money, just save it. So we moved into a rental home and we just started saving money. We reduced expenses, saved money. And I'm thinking, Buster, oh, the Lord's got me going to network news. So I'm connecting with a new agent. I'm, I'm connecting with different networks, various networks, and people were showing some interest. And I was having meetings with the networks. I'm like, wow, this is going to happen. So I was starting to build my own little kingdom here, right? <laughs> and then he started closing doors. And so now my question started being like, okay, what am I missing here? And I'm thinking, oh, well, God, we've been praying, closed doors that are not for us, open doors that are. And I'm thinking, oh, he's going to open up a massively crazy door. It's going to be a big job and a big station and a big salary. And I'm sure like anyone else, you know, you already made plans with your money, but God has something different. Tell us about how you had to switch gears from going to making lots of money, thinking about what you're going to do with all that money, you, your wife, and your kids, right? And how you're going to depend on this money. But God shift that whole thing to depend just on him and to tune into his heart. Man, that's powerful. Tell us about how you made that shift. The whole time Buster, what he was doing was showing me how to tune in to his heart. What I had to learn, man, is when you enter money into the picture, you cannot clearly hear the Lord. I had a three-year plan. This stuff was written down. I had a five-year plan and a 10-year plan. All of it was written down. My wife and I prayed and thought we had a plan, right. but it was all based on stacking dollars and retirement and college funds and investment in real estate. And there's nothing wrong with those things if they're in their proper priority. And she started closing doors. I started asking questions and I started realizing, oh my gosh, 
I'm seeking money instead of seeking the heart of the Lord. And when I started doing that, brother, I could hear him so much better. And he started bringing things into my life. That's what's up. So many people are being blessed right now listening to this testimony. Let's get into now that you have to solely depend on God, okay? Now that you're you're an evangelist, not a news anchor, making all that money, <laughs> thinking you need to depend on that man's paycheck and promotions. You have to depend solely on God now. What's the difference between knowing you have a paycheck coming every other week, two weeks, every month, and now solely depending on God? You just nailed it, man. The difference is it is all faith. I depend on people inviting me to their churches, Putting food on the table depends on my obedience. There's a much lower tolerance for error. I got to hear him and I got to do what he tells me to do. And it's great, though, because my relationship with him is such that I am addicted to sitting with Jesus. And I'll give you an example. You know, last night my wife wasn't feeling well and I needed to sit with her and talk and hear her out and kind of see what's going on. But the whole time I had a yearning to go pray. It's weird, man. And so I made the right choice to spend time with my wife and sit with her and we talked and we really spent some nice time together just catching up. But in the depths of my soul, I was missing Jesus. And it's weird, man. Like I've always loved praying. I've always loved sitting with the Lord and reading the word of God and doing the work of ministry, but it's another level now. And so when I wake up in the morning, brother, it's me and the Lord. What am I doing today? God, where do you want me to go today? What do you want me to do today? Wow. And I noticed, Frank, that you're now bald like me. Is that something that God led you to do as well? The Lord told me to go bald. What does that represent? To turn to the Lord. It is a sign. And this is a biblical thing. You know, we have prophets in the Bible who did this. They shaved their head and prayed and fasted for their nation. And so I know the Lord's doing a work in my spirit. And this is an outward sign. So it's literally eating out of the hand of God every day. And I love it, Buster. I do. I absolutely love it. And I can feel it, Frank. Your love for God is infectious, and we need that today. So if something is going to be contagious, let it be the spirit of the Lord. How cool is that? And tell us about the bandana, the American flag bandana, your T-shirt that says, I love black people, I love white people. Is there a message you're trying to get across? And you're a good interviewer, man. You're good, man. I love you, man. So the bandana, it started out as a COVID thing. So, you know, everyone's trying to find masks and the masks were running out early on. And right. so my wife, like, hey, go to Walmart. They've got bandanas, just buy a bunch of them. And we donated a ton of bandanas to nurses. Remember early on, like the masks were hard to find. So a nurse friend of ours was calling on us and said, if you guys know of anyone who's got any face covering. So I went and I bought like every bandana in there and many of them were American flag bandanas. Oh, wow. And I started thinking, oh, wow, Lord, I want to carry this with me. So the state of our country, where things are, is coming to mind more frequently. Right. So that's what that's about. It causes me to pray. It causes me. So even before the George Floyd stuff, you know, I had been praying because I believe even today that coronavirus is from the Lord. I'm not going to try to tell people that God is like, you know, trying to kill people. That's not what I'm saying. He allowed it because he's trying to do something. So I'm praying into what God is doing in our country through COVID and through George Floyd's unfortunate death. So that's what that's about, man. And we're praying every Friday at noon at the governmental plaza in downtown Greensboro. I'm really about prayer right now, corporate prayer, gathering to pray, praying for our country, praying for people, praying for people of color, praying for people who are not of color, praying for police, praying for EMS, praying for everybody. Gotcha. So tell us about the shirt. I'll never 
never forget it, Buster. That night when Greensboro had the rioting, you know, we had two consecutive nights when people were busting windows and they busted out the window at the Woolworth Building, at the Civil Rights Center Museum, and it just was crazy. And I was up all night and the Lord told me to make this shirt. I had already drawn this shirt out about a week or two prior, but he hmm. said, Frank, you need to make it. You need to design it tonight. You need to get it ready for print. And I was up till like four in the morning that night and I was just disturbed. Like the spirit in me was so disturbed. I was seeing the people so hurt. I saw the anger and I knew the answer was Jesus Christ. And so my shirt says, I love black, white, all people. And it was a sign the Lord was saying, Frank, we cannot get into our separate corners. We have got to come together and you got to do it. Even if the person on the other side doesn't want you to, you have to initiate unity. You have to initiate humility. You have to initiate conversation. You have to initiate bringing God into it. So that's what the shirt's about. And I agree. We need to bring everyone together. This is not just a one group thing. This is an all group thing coming together. But whenever someone says that, they get a lot of pushback. So who do you find yourself getting more pushback from, blacks or whites? And I hate asking that, but I but I have to ask that question. The Lord speaks to me vividly with dreams. Yeah. And it was many years ago, Buster, the Lord sent me a dream and he showed me a rock formation and the rock formation looked like a bridge. He said to me in my spirit, in this dream, he said the word natural bridge, natural bridge. Right. And I knew he was talking about my life. He was basically saying, Frank, I want you to be a natural bridge, that this is natural to you, that you don't have to do a program. You don't have to name it anything. You're a human being who's just about bridging gaps. I had never known that natural bridges exist. And so I ended up Googling it or uh, searching it online. And the image of the natural bridge the Lord gave me in my dream actually exists. It's a real bridge made with rock. And I had never seen it before. At least I didn't know I had. And I knew it was the Lord. So to your point, my call, man, is for people to come into the presence of God. I don't care what you look like. I don't care how many arms you have. I don't care. And so it's not about emotions. It's about him. And the Lord works through our emotions sometimes to get us to him. And he uses our emotions to expose our hurts. Right. And so to answer your question about pushback, you know, I haven't had a lot. I will say I haven't heard any pushback from people who are white. And I don't think that would surprise anyone. Okay. That's an interesting statement and bold as well. So tell us why wouldn't you get pushback from your white audience with your message. If they see someone who's not criticizing them, they're more likely to probably agree with where they're coming from. Now, see, I dig that. I, I agree 100%, and that goes across the board. I believe that if you don't criticize black people, we'd be more open to listen as well. So that goes across the board. I like that, Frank. You were in one of your videos washing the feet of one of your white fellow pastors. Tell me about the pushback you got from that. And for four or five days, I did not look at that post. And my wife came to me one day and she said, hey, this particular person that we went to high school with doesn't like your post and she's saying this and that, and this person's of color. And it ended up getting to a point buster where this person was saying that the image of me washing uh, my white brother's feet was like me bowing to the slave master. Wow, that's heavy, dude. Now, I, let me just say this. I'm sure you can understand why she felt that way, especially during times like right now. 
And don't get me wrong, I totally get your message. It was beautiful, but you can understand the other side of how they saw it. Yes, he returned the favor and washed my feet. And the Lord said, look at him. And I said, okay, Lord. He said, Frank, that's me. That's me in him washing your feet. He was reiterating to me that when we serve one another, we're really serving him as he served us. The Bible says, Jesus said in his own words in John chapter 13, he says, as I have washed your feet, wash each other's feet. Right. And what we lose sight of, Buster, is the gospel message is the cross. The cross. I break that down to us, Frank. That we die and there's a death, a cross we all have to bear in order to love others. It's a sacrificial love. And so it's something we all need to grow in. I need to grow in it. Bad customer service will get me upset even today. But it's teaching me that even in those situations, I'm supposed to love that person like I love him. That's good. Um, something I think a lot of people forget got about or, or, or may have missed is when George Floyd was murdered, his fiance said that George would want us to forgive the officers that killed him. And she got a lot of backlash for that because a lot of people was like, no, we're not forgiving this one, which is understandable because that was pretty tragic. That was tragic to watch. But she did say George would want us to forgive him. So if we're doing this in honor of George Floyd, what you're saying is it's time to forgive. It's time to pray for even the police officer. Because when Jesus was at the cross, on the cross, and they were mocking him, right? Didn't he say, forgive them for they know not what they do? You know the Bible better than I do. But I think we all understand what I'm saying, that even Jesus said, forgive the ones that were murdering and mocking him in front of all these people and trying to defame, defame his name, assassinate his character. And he even said, forgive them. That's heavy. So you're saying let's not miss that mark. And I, I really dig that, Frank. People are blind. And I'm talking about black, white, Hispanic. All of us have blind spots. Why? Because we're bitter. Our experiences, what the devil has brought into our lives makes us bitter because pain hurts and it metastasizes when it doesn't get healed. Anytime something reminds us of that pain and as if it's the first time. So when I look at George Floyd having a man's knee on his neck, right. I don't just see George Floyd. I see me, right? I see Trayvon Martin, right? I see Tamir Rice. And so now I'm making assumptions and I'm reliving the pain I'm reliving the oppression. I'm reliving the rejection. I'm reliving all of the things that I talk about at the barbershop in a very visceral, emotional moment, and I'm angry now, just like it was me. And we cannot love from that place. We cannot do it. Matthew 7, verse 14, the Lord Jesus said himself, how can you take the speck out of your brother's eye if you have a plank in your own? What is Jesus saying? He's saying a lot of things. One of the things he's saying I want to pull out of that is that you cannot possibly see another person accurately when you've got stuff going on in your heart. You cannot do it. You cannot do it. And Buster, the critical question I keep asking myself and other people is, how do we know what happened that day had anything to do with George Floyd's race? How do we know that? What if that police officer who I've been praying for, right. what if he had just had a bad phone call with his wife right before that call? I don't know. What if their house is in foreclosure? Uh, what, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know what's in that brother's heart, but because I'm hurting, I'm not talking about me personally, but I'm talking about many of us as black people, because we are 
hurting from all the things we've endured before. We now cast assumptions on this entire situation. And what does the devil get out of it? He gets us fighting each other. He gets us burning buildings. He gets us smashing windows. And now we're acting like the people who we are trying to help see us right. We're acting like the way they expect us to act. I'm hearing you, but I just want to make this clear that you're not making excuses for what he's done and what other police officers have done to African-Americans unfairly. So I'm going to share something that one of my students said. He said, police are human and they're going to have a bad day like everyone else. You know, basically what you're saying, but they don't have the right to take it out on us. The people that they gave an oath to protect and serve. So get yourself right before you go to work. I get what you're saying, Frank, but get yourself right before you go to work. Have a prayer, right? Maybe take that day off if you're having a tough day mentally or spiritually. But don't come to work and take that out on us. And that be your excuse why you made a mistake based on emotions, if you want to call it a mistake. But having your knee on someone's neck for nearly 10 minutes, that's beyond a mistake. But I hear what you're saying, Frank, that that may not have been racially motivated or even intentional. But nearly 10 minutes with your knee on somebody's neck, that's beyond a mistake. And using your common sense, you know if your knee is on someone's neck for that long, nearly 10 minutes, you know it's a possibility you could kill that person. So you have to understand why you may have some pushback with that particular statement. But you're saying, let's not assume that's what it was. The assumption has been, this is race. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't have a race conversation. I'm dealing with our heart condition. Mm -hmm. We should definitely have a race conversation because this is happening to people of color, it appears, more frequently than others. So that's something we got to deal with. What I'm saying is we have to make sure that we have hearts that are are healed. Mm -hmm. And so from my own personal, individual, spiritual health, what I've got to be able to do is pray for that man. Mm -hmm. What I've got to be able to do is ask the Lord, Lord, is my anger about this is my assumption about this in terms of assuming it's race is that connected to me having a place in my heart Mm. that is not healed that's good Frank and Buster my wife said it best we were in the kitchen she said Frank no one else is gonna heal my heart God is my healer Buster here's the truth You know, you might not agree because you don't even have to answer this. But here's what I know is the truth. If every white person in the entire world got together and they sat on their knees and begged for forgiveness and said, we will never call you out of your name again. We'll never we'll never mistreat you again. We would still have work to do in our hearts because do you think we would believe them? Do you think we would still be suspicious of them? Do you think we still wouldn't call some of them the R word if they did something that made us think they were? even when what they did had nothing to do with race, we would still have work to do as people of color. Why are we waiting for them to get on their knees and pay us reparations for slavery or change this law or do all this stuff before we can say we're healed? No, no, no. Brother, our healing is available now. And his name is Jesus Christ. Amen, Frank. Amen, brother. Now, let me just throw this out there so people understand what you're saying. You're not saying that the laws should not be changed because not changing those racist and hateful and evil laws is not an option. It's a must. They must change. Racism changing is a must. That's not an option. That must change. But what I hear you saying, Frank, is that along with that, we have to also work on changing ourselves. Like Michael Jackson's song, The Man in the Mirror. 
I'm gonna start with that person. I'm gonna start with my own communities making that change. But I'm not gonna stand idle and allow somebody to treat us the way we've been treated for so many years. And that's been going on far too long. So I'm sure America understands that change is not an option, it's a must. But what you're saying is not gonna happen overnight, it's gonna be a process. It's a process, you know, don't try to eat an elephant except one bite at a time. If we as people of color, I'm not just talking about black, African-American, I'm talking about people who are Spanish speakers, I'm talking about people who are Native American. You know, there's plenty of hate to go around, uh, hurt to go around, right? We've all right. been hurt in so many ways. Right. And I'm talking to Caucasian white folk too. It is an individual decision to be the one. And this is what God blew me away with the other day, Buster. Watch this. We all know the story of David and Goliath. Before David showed up, the entire nation of Israel, millions of people, all of them were too afraid to fight. All of them. Right. They had an army outfitted with swords and spears and all the other. Every single one of them were sitting back and listening to this thing taught them and they were afraid. And it took a dude who showed up who literally just had faith. Like he just had faith. He didn't have a weapon. He didn't have training. He just had faith. And he showed up and said, okay, this is a giant. He's 10 feet tall. He's trained. He's got a massive sword. He's taunting and everyone's afraid of him, but I have God. And so the principle of the one is one that I'm really standing on, brother. And that's why I'm shouting from the rooftops for everyone to look at themselves individually. Because if I can love, if I can get to a place where I can love someone I used to call my enemy, I can take down the gates of hell in that hmm. person's life. Right. Imagine if a person of color walked into Derek Chauvin's jail cell right now and said, man, I just want to pray with you. What do you think that would do to that man's heart? it will break it down. Any kind of hate that he might feel because he's being called something that he might not even be. He might not be that. And so the devil's plan is for us to call him all these things out of his name so that he will hate us back. But and it keeps black, perpetuating, right? Yes. But if a black person walks in there and says, brother, don't know you, but I know who made you. And I love you because of that and that alone. Can I pray with you? Can I hear your heart? Do you need someone to talk to? Do you want to unload some battles you're fighting? I'll right. listen to everything you've got to say. I want to minister to you. Brother, that's the kind of love we need. Absolutely. Like we talked about earlier, the same kind of love Jesus had on the cross for those that were killing him. And like you said, that were mocking him. And he asked God, forgive them for they know not what they do. And what I love, Frank, is that that's what your message is all about. You have a video on Facebook asking, are we praying for Derek Chauvin? Think about what Jesus said. He said, do good to those who hate you. Love your enemy. You know, pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. And the thing is, in this case, it's an assumption. We don't know if Derek Chauvin hates black people, but even if I assume that, let me pray for this man. And man, that's a tough pill to swallow for a lot of people. But if we are followers of God and of Jesus Christ, that's the message. That's it. Forgiveness is not an option. It's a must. It is an absolute must. You know, no different than, you know, the, the government has to change these hateful laws. They're evil, man. They have to change these systemic racist laws. That's what they are, are evil. So changing that is not an option, along with forgiveness. If we follow Jesus, if we follow God, forgiveness is not an option. It's a must. Now, I understand the passion. You know, we're tired. 
we're angry. I get it. We're frustrated. Just like you said earlier, Frank, you know, we've been through this for so long. When we see it, we relive this oppression and this hate that America has had for black people over and over again. We do, but we got to get past that pain. And you're absolutely right. And the best way to get past that pain is your message, Frank, the message of Christ. I dig it. Now, along with that, our white Christian brothers and sisters have to do their part as well and talk to their relatives and friends and co-workers that are racist and make them face that and have them understand changing that is not an option. That's also a must because your message, Frank, is about us working together and we can't work together with a bunch of people that don't want change. That's hard to do and that's the frustration so many black people have. When it gets hard, that's when faith has to show up. And let's just say it, Buster, six months from now, we're probably not gonna be talking about George Floyd, but we should be still dealing with our hurt. And it's a continual process. You know, I've gotta be honest with you, man. I think the key is gonna have to be the church and people who know God are gonna have to start being radical, like what I'm saying. This stuff is radical, but radical is what Jesus is. Jesus went to Galilee and did ministry. People don't know this, but Galilee was where the poor, the indigent, the crippled, the dirty lived. He didn't go straight to the cats that were in power and say, okay, you guys need to change so everybody else will change. No, he went and he sat and lived and ministered and healed people in the most filthy area of Israel. Because some people are gonna be like, well, what do you expect me to do, Frank? Well, I I'm only asking people to do what God tells them to do. Everyone's not called to do everything. Right. But Buster, here's the glory. I said this before the George Floyd thing happened. I was saying it when COVID showed up. I said, we cannot allow what God is doing to end up for nothing. What we are experiencing has a purpose. And what God is doing, Buster, I'm telling you, he is raising up people who are so fed up with church as usual. He's raising up people who are so fed up with saying things, but there's no spirit behind it. Mm that they're going to start walking in radical faith and doing radical things and it's going to breed a new America and it's going to be very David. It's going to be people who are stepping out of the crowd and saying, you know what? We used to do it that way, but God is saying he wants me to do it this way. Okay, so I'm going to step out on my own and I'm going to do this because I feel the Lord is basically commanding me to love radically. And that's on point, Frank, because Jesus is radical, right? That's why they killed Jesus, because of their tradition. He did not fit tradition. He stepped out the same way you're saying, and so did his disciples. That's a good message, my man. So just um, before we go, confirm to people that Jesus is the answer, because people heard a lot from you and, you know, a couple of things I said in between, but let's remind them why Jesus is the answer. Well, the Bible says that God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. So whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life, everlasting life. There's only life in Jesus. Right. And 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 what we, what many of us who are Christians know, but we don't experience it all the time because it's impossible to experience it all the time. But what we know is if we 
give it to him. He will do better with it than whatever we can come up with. I'm not saying I'm not weary. I'm weary too. I'm putting it all on the line for Jesus. I'm weary too. I just was talking to my wife last night. I said, honey, I cannot watch another video about this. I can't. I said, my spirit is groaning. I'm vexed. I mean, every time I watch a video that even discusses race, even if it's a person that's saying, here's solutions, you know, I'm just like, we're focusing on this the wrong way and it just destroying my peace. And before I got to that point, Buster, I was angry too. I was looking at the video saying, what? How is he doing this? After this dude stopped breathing three minutes, you know, I'm angry too. Eight minutes, this dude's knee was on his neck. Like what? And so I'm saying that I don't get it. Look, I'm a black man who was born and raised in Jackson, Mississippi. I had a little boy say, I don't touch black people. I've lived it, Buster. Right. I've lived it. I came home from preschool saying that I liked a white girl. And my mom said, well, your teacher says you can't like her. And I didn't understand. And she had to tell me, Frank, this is how people think. My preschool teacher, Buster, told me, you can't like her. I'm animated, not because I'm angry. I'm animated because I'm so passionate about the healing power of Christ. I can genuinely tell you, I can kiss a white man on the cheek, man, and not feel nothing about it. And I want to love everyone like that. And so, you know, brother... I get it. Weariness, if you really think about it, is God in control of the media? I'm not going to answer that question, but I want people to answer that on their own. And now ask yourself, if God controlled the media, what kind of video would he want us to see? What kind of gatherings would he want us to see? So the enemy of our soul wants us to watch this stuff over and over and over and make us more and more mad and more and more bitter. Because in the Bible, it says, if bitterness is in your heart, you cannot show the grace of God. You cannot do it. Go to Hebrews chapter 12. The Bible says, if we have bitterness in our heart, we fail to show the grace of God, meaning unmerited favor, undeserved love. Amen, Frank. Your message is across the board. This message is for everyone. So I really hope and pray that there is enough people listening that would go spread this good news, man. You know, Frank, I'm so glad that you stepped out on faith, walked away from that lucrative job in TV news, and one day becoming a national news anchor. But you decided to step out on faith and listen to God and allow yourself to hear God's heart. And it led you to this, this phenomenal message, man. And it's for everybody to hear, all ages, all people. I love it. And I love you, Frank. You know, and the best thing I love about your life is that your wife supports your walk with God. Your wife support your stepping out on faith because you guys were living what we call the American dream. But you said it best earlier. When you base your life, well, your happiness, right, on money and fame and things, you're going to miss the mark if you're not basing your peace and your happiness on a relationship with God. This is a great message, man. And I believe that there are a lot of people getting this message now because they're getting closer to God because of what's happening with COVID and this police brutality. It's bringing all of us together. Young people are getting this message. And it's young people that's speaking up. The young lady that decided not to run track if they didn't take off Robert E. Lee's name off the school. The young man that 
decided he will not play football anymore for his college if they didn't step up and get rid of the racist symbols that um, represent that school's past because we're moving forward. So I believe the world is going to be so much better because young people are being educated on real history. And even people my age, you know, like myself, I'm learning real history like I've never known before. I'm learning the laws like I've never known before because of this. And you said it best. This is a purpose. I don't understand how God decides to do certain things, but I believe that in this COVID and in this mess of police brutality and this hate and racism, in this that's going on right now, we can learn something from this and grow from it to make sure that generations to come will never experience anything like this and that we will have that peace on earth like it is in heaven. God promised it and it will come to pass. It will manifest. But on top of believing and receiving, Buster, sometimes we got to go out and get it. So let's just use the word peace. If I don't have peace, I can believe Jesus is my peace. I can believe that God wants me to have it. So I believe it. I can receive it and say, I know it's for me. I know that that promise does not discriminate against me. And so it's for me. So I receive that, but I don't feel it. Lord, why don't I feel it? Dude, sometimes we got to retrieve the promises of God. Got to go and get it because our nature is to be emotional and caught up in our emotions and to fight past my emotions. Sometimes I got to work a little harder. And some people might question the biblical foundation of that. But the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13, God says, if you seek me, you will find me if you search for me with all of your heart. So if I am refusing to let go of a mindset or any type of lie that the devil has put in my mind, I'm being held back from retrieving mm-hmm. everything God has for me. I have to give it all to, I have to give my whole heart to Jesus. Lord, I don't understand this scripture. How can I possibly have peace right now? But I'm going to give you my heart. Show me why my heart does not have peace right now. I got to go and get my peace, Jesus. Show me how to get my peace. Amen. And you know, you have to choose that, like you said, you know, it's not a gift. You know, peace, love, and joy is something you have to choose and you got to go get it. Good stuff. Tell us about your revival, Frank. After this interview, I know a lot of people want to hear more from you. I know I do. So tell us about the revival that's coming up and how we can join you. You know, America needs hope. America needs faith right now. America needs unity right now. And I believe it comes from God. We cannot manufacture this. Even if you walk in the door and you just know you don't feel it. (laughs) I'm not feeling it. I don't want to be here. I'm not feeling my life right now. I'm not feeling this country right now. I'm not feeling it. I am going to guarantee you God has a gift for you, his peace. So we, yeah, we'll have food, beverages, free food, free drink, free ice cream. We're going to have that. But beyond that, we're going to give you spiritual food, man. And there's nowhere else to get it like you can get it from Jesus. And so I just want to encourage you, whoever's hearing this or wherever you are, you know, if you know you need God, if you know you need Jesus, just turn toward him and start walking and don't stop walking because he promises. He says, I'm knocking on your door. If you open the door, I will come in and see. 
you and commune with you. If you turn toward him, that's opening the door. And then when you start walking toward him, I want you to imagine yourself walking toward the most priceless gift in the world. It never expires. It never runs out. It won't leave you by yourself. There's always Jesus. And you'll never lose with him. Absolutely, man. So listen, people want to hear from you again, dude. I know they do. Those that are listening, they they want to come to the revival or invite you to their church to come speak or maybe an event or something like that. Because your word is good, man. And it's for all people, all ages. I dig it. How do we reach Frank? This website, it is faith-feed.com. Faith-feed.com. Or you can look me up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Look up Frank Mickens uh, and find me there, man. We are easy to find. A work number, area code 202-735-1347. Email me at Frank at faith-feed.com. We're available. Frank Mickens, man, we appreciate you so much, brother. Love you. Thanks so much, my friend. Love you too, my brother. Appreciate you. And I appreciate you as well for listening. If you have any questions or comments or want to get in touch with Frank Mickens, hit me up at P-V-B-U-S-T-A-B-R-O-W-N. That's P-V, Brown at gmail.com. The P is for positive. The V is for vibes. With Buster Brown. I'll see you next time. Until then, stay safe.